You're listening to the Hoosier State Sports Show with Adam and Joey. All right, we have a special guest today on the podcast, Adam. Our guest today is one of the hosts from the Hoosier Nerd podcast, and he's the man behind the camera of Christian Branch Racing Photography. And he's here to talk to us about the Indy 500. How are you doing today, Chris? You you prefer to be called Chris, right? That's right. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks. I appreciate it. Very good. Uh, very happy to be here. Good. So, obviously, as I said, we're going to be talking about the Indy 500. The little I know of you is I know that you love this event, and I know you spend a lot a lot of your life dedicated to this event. So, with that said, before we dive into this this year's running of it, could you kind of introduce yourself and let us know like your own personal history with the, with the race? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I'm a lot older. So um, I remember back in the day, it wasn't live on TV. It was always either tape delayed or whatever. So listen to the radio broadcast. So my first memory was listening to the radio broadcast in 1981. And that's because my uh, older cousin had gone to that race. So I just got hooked and watched the news reports and I finally got to go to time trials when I was 14. So that was 1986. And, uh, I got to go to my first race the next year. So, um, 1987 was my first 500. My favorite race car driver actually was leading that race, uh, up until about 22 laps to go when his car broke. So that was, a. that was a rough introduction to seeing the race live. Yeah, kind of a kind of rough start to your journey, but right. And I've just I've just followed it ever since and just studied the history and you know, I love going to the museum and studying about you know, I love learning about what it's like all about, you know, the whole time that I've grown up and watched the race, listened to the race and but it's the history prior to when I started going that I I really love to be uh Really love it to be interested in it's, it's it's a great i mean it's 107 years old so it shows you you know how, how great of an event it is yeah i i can appreciate that i just recently got into baseball and one of the things that drew me in is the history of the game of baseball and some of the wild stories over the years but you just mentioned that while it was a great memory because it was your first race but your favorite driver getting knocked or losing the lead with about 20 laps left what are some of your best memories over the years attending the race um, I mean, of course, well, you know, attending your first race is always great, you know, regardless, you know, I saw a four-time winner win that year. So, um, Alunzer senior had tied AJ Foyt, uh, with being the, the only four-time winners. So that did have a little, little bit of goodness to it. Um, just there's close finishes over the years that I've, I've, I've been able to witness. Um, I have being an IndyCar fan and you can get access to the garage area. I have met all my racing heroes, like literally met all of my heroes um, from modern drivers that I root for now, all the way up to the legends, Parnelli Jones, AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti. Um, so, you know, that's the beauty of it. It's not just one. It's just, it's all in, encapsulated. It's not just one memory over the other. Um, you know, I do have a few races that I, I, I favor more than others, obviously. Um, which uh, I would say one of my very, very favorites was the 1989 finish of the 500. And um, uh, that was between Allinger Jr. and Emerson Fittipaldi. And we had seats, and then we had seats in between turn three and four. And they were battling for the lead with 
with with within the last eight laps they were battling back and forth exchanging the lead and then with two laps to go um you know all you have is the radio broadcast and the fans are going crazy and you had cheap walkmans back then you didn't have headphones like you do now and i can remember the last thing we heard on the radio was they're coming down the backstretch side by side and as they came through turn three and as they came into our site they touched wheels and Allen jr slid up and hit the wall and Emerson Fittipaldi continued on and ended up winning the race. So that's probably my favorite memory of, uh, of uh, all of the 500s that I attended. Yeah, and I, I could see how that one would stick out. That sounds like an electric finish. but Yeah, definitely. Through, through all the years of attending, and Adam was kind of wondering this earlier, with Roger Penske acquiring Indianapolis Motor Speedway, has that at all changed the fan experience? Has it pretty much stayed the same? I mean, he's... And he's he slapped a coat of paint on the speedway. Um, it, the has the the event itself is, itself is basically the same. Um, he he has cleaned up the speedway. Um, the amenities are are a little bit better, um, but we're into what year three or year four of Penske owning the track. Yeah. And I think I saw right. it was 2020 when he made the acquisition, yeah. if I'm right. And and he not only did he just buy the track, he purchased IndyCar as well. And right. um, I thought we would be a little bit further as far as more engine manufacturers coming, uh, a new chassis, because the chassis is 12 years old at this point, 10 years old. So um, that aspect I'm a little disappointed in. But um, he has, like I said, he has stepped up. In, uh, the, the visit to the Speedway is is a lot better than it was say 10 years ago yes it's it's a beautiful facility so yes i I have been down there myself never for an indy 500 race which i will address here in a moment but it is a (laughs) a beautiful track but adam grow as someone who grew up in indianapolis i'm gonna let you take this next one all right so this year the race is gonna be blacked out again i mean you and i both have understood the history of that i just remember like you said listening to it as the on the radio as a kid you know and my dad lives you know on the west side of town near the airport so we could always hear the race from his house which i always enjoyed but as someone that attends the race on an annual basis do you have a, an opinion on how it being blacked out is handled are you a fan of that do you wish it would be more accessible in town on the same day do you like it where it's taped over and then people get to watch it what are your thoughts on that well, I mean, I'm from a different era. So while I was blacked out, so when I was a teenager, when I was a kid and a teenager watching the 500, the race was, even though the race was live, it was blacked out in Indiana. And they showed it two weeks later after the 11 o'clock news. That's how, I, and, you know, from, and I've got them on videotape, you know, from 86 to, you know, till they started showing them same day coverage till 92. It was tape delayed two weeks for people in the Indianapolis area. Cause even, you know, I live in Kokomo and it was blacked out for me too. So, um, you know, part of it, it, it is part of tradition. I can see why it's, it's hard enough to get people to go to events nowadays as it is. And I, I think their main fear is now more than ever is that people will stay home to watch it as opposed to going if they want to see it live. Um, I think it's part of the tradition I think people have the tradition that don't go to the race, that they do listen to it on the radio, that, you know, they have barbecues. I could like, I can remember 1982 in my grandmother's backyard, listening to the race with my brother and cousin, 
and uh, you know, listening to that finish, that was at the time that was most that was the closest finish in 500 history. And I just I think that's part of the tradition, even with families nowadays, is they listen to it on the on the radio. It's broadcast same day. I mean, you know, NBC will have it at seven o'clock Sunday night. So, um, you know, stay off Twitter, stay off Facebook. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, we don't want to know how hard that is these days. Yeah. But, you know, I don't mind it, you know, even if I get it, you know, I really get it. And I'm very old school when it comes to tradition with the race. And I if if I wasn't going, I would listen to the radio broadcast, grill out some hot dogs and, and listen to it with family. And I think I think that's a great tradition unto itself, really. Yeah, yeah. I can absolutely agree with that. I just know for me personally. I used to root for Ed Carpenter about 10 years ago or so. And it always seemed to be this idea that he'd be leading the races near the end. And then magically he'd always crash and then he'd fall way back in the field. But I do, you know, you get a great perspective listening to the radio. Cause like they really do try to get to like each driver, the current progression of where they're going in the race, kind of like the imaginative, you know, perspective. I really like how they do it as well. I can, certainly agree to that as well well it, and it's interesting because adam you and i talked about this a little bit off the podcast also and you shared some of your memories as a kid was just that being with the with the family they were cooking on the grill listening to the race so it's pretty interesting that so many people especially in indiana share a, a very familiar memory of listening to the race like that yeah uh, hey, it's paul, worth a try you know, i mean paul page he's a he's a former radio uh he, he was the, you know, he, he called the race for years and years and years, Paul Page did. And he always called it theater of the mind. And, and they do the, as far as, as play by play, that group, the radio broadcast does the best uh, of any sport I've ever heard. They really I agree. Um, they really paint the picture and that goes way back. I mean, you can go on the IndyCar uh, website, you can purchase old radio or the Indy 500, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway website, you can purchase old radio broadcasts of the 500, uh, the call. And I've got one from 64, from 73, from 82. And even back in the 60s, they, they painted the picture just, you could just, you could just see it in your mind, you know. That's interesting. I actually didn't know that you could do that. Definitely something to look into. Yeah, they're they're nine ninety nine, and you can pick pretty much anywhere from like fifty six, I think fifty six to to last year. You can purchase every radio broadcast. So very interesting. So kind of turning the page and looking forward to this year's race. I I know on Facebook I've seen you've pretty much been in attendance for what a couple of weeks now down at the speedway. So what all what all has been going on, and have there been any storylines that have popped up that people should be monitoring leading up to the race itself? Yes. So, I mean, well, qualifying was yesterday, so they qualified, they, they, they filled the field, everybody qualified Saturday and then, uh, they did the fast 12 and then well, from the fast 12, they did the fast six and that determined the, the, that part. And then they, there were 34 cars for a 33 car field. So they qualified the la the three slow, the four slowest cars yesterday. So somebody went home yesterday. Um, which that's a huge, huge story because Graham Ray Hall failed to qualify for the 500. So it's his first 500 with, it's the first 500 without Graham Ray Hall since 2007. Wow. I think he was a rookie in 2008. And that's a huge deal because that was a four car effort. And the, the driver that bumped him out was his teammate, Jack Harvey. So, and, um, 
So, and what's crazy is they race for Bobby Rahal, which is Graham Rahal's dad. So Bobby Rahal owns the racing team. Graham Rahal's his son and he failed to make the 500. So that's a huge story in itself. Um, there was a two hour practice session today and there was a two car accident um, involving Catherine Legg, who's part of the Ray Hall race team. They've had the <clears throat> roughest month in, in that I've seen a race team have in years. And uh, Justin, or not Justin Wilson, I'm sorry, Stefan Wilson, uh, they got in a crash in turn one today. Uh, Stefan Wilson was sent to the hospital. I don't know the extent of his injuries, if any. Um, nobody's heard anything at this point in time. Um so there's two damaged race cars that have to be put together by Friday for car day if they can fix those damaged cars. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned carb day. If you don't mind me jumping in real quick, Adam, I know you had a question regarding carb day. Yeah. Um, my, my question about that too, was, you know, again, it kind of relates back to Penske too. have the experiences changed with that. And then what are kind of your thoughts on carb day and like, what the experience brings for not only the drivers, but for like people that visit, you know, such as yourself. I've loved carb day since, I mean, forever. And it's, I mean, when I would first go to carb day, it was $5. You got two hours of practice and you got the pit stop. And I was happy with that. You know, um, it, it, it just, it adds excitement to, it used to be on Thursday up until, about 15, 18 years ago, they moved it to Friday. So it really, it just starts off the weekend. It starts the race weekend off early, basically. Um, they used to run, prior to Penske taking over, they used to run the Indy Lights race. It was called the Freedom 100. Uh, now it's called Indy Next, which is it's the lower division uh, racing series. So uh, a lot of today's drivers that race in the Indy 500 have raced in Indy next Pato award. Uh, he's really coming into his own huge superstar right now. Uh, Colton Herta, um, Jack Harvey. Um, I mean, who else? Stingray Rob raced there last year. Uh, David Malukas. These are all guys that are racing in the 500 this year. They've raced in, in Indy next. So it's like a feeder system. Uh, they used to have a hundred mile, hundred mile race on carb day. And that was action packed. Uh, once Penske took over, he thought that it was a little dangerous to have these inexperienced guys racing on a high-speed oval because they were running about 180 miles an hour, which is still pretty fast. Yeah. Um, me, I, I think my eye is I think Penske only wants one race for the Speedway only like it used to be, and that's why he took it away. That's just my opinion. Um, but Carb Day is, the, it is a great way to start off your weekend. Uh, we get down there early. We watch two hours of practice. Um, you can wander around the track. You know, they have, uh, if, you take, if you have kids, they have a kids zone there. Um, there's food. They have a concert. They have uh, Brian Adams and Soul Asylum are playing this year. So um, yeah, that's my age group of people. So I'm going to the concert. <laughs> so um, whole day. And I mean, it's not only that. It's not just... Um, you know, that, that starts off race weekend, you know, Saturday's the parade and then Sunday you have the race. So it really just starts off the, the, the weekend for, for, you know, fans coming out of town. And I, I mean, I called in sick to work one year to go to the, to go to carb days. So, <laughs> which I'm sure yeah, with, with the, 
with the hundreds of thousands in attendance, I can only imagine you're not the only one to call in sick for that. Well, my dad. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was I mean, just going to say. Sorry. You're good. Go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> it's not just carb day that you can attend for race fans. I mean, there's always, you know, we go from carb day. We go to Raceway Park, uh, the road to Indy out there. On the 2000 Pro Run and then have a midget race and they have a, a silver crown race. $25 gets you in the door. I'm not, I don't work for Indianapolis Raceway Park, but it's a bargain. We spent all day at racetracks. Uh, Saturday, you have, you can go to the parade. There's a huge memorabilia show in Plainfield you can go to. Uh, Anderson has the little 500, 500 laps of racing at uh, Anderson Speedway with sprint cars. So uh, there's tons of things for race fans to do all weekend long. And, and Carb Day is just, you know, Outside of the 500, that's the number two thing to do. Yeah, so I know you mentioned earlier, you know, the idea that you get to watch, you know, the racers on the track and those practices. You know, in your mind, is it really that much more of an immersive experience that maybe fans don't get on actual race day? That way, you know, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You can watch the race later, but then maybe you can interact with drivers and kind of see, you know, like everything behind the scenes. It's it is definitely a laid back. It is definitely more laid back for the drivers. You know, um, you can stand behind pit lane. They have grandstands behind pit lane. You can, I mean, you can meet drivers there. You can get autographs outside of Gasoline Alley. Uh, walking back and forth, they'll stop and sign autographs. It's definitely once practice is over, is definitely more relaxed for sure. Uh, the pit stop contest as well. So uh, you do get a you get a taste of it. I mean, they get out there and. It's no joke, you know, they're running together and they'll run in huge packs. So um, it's not just one or two cars out on the racetrack. They'll all be out there at one time, you know, get a feel for their car, you know, just to be prepared of what it's going to be like on Sunday. You know, it gives you a little taste of what you'll see on race. So, uh, yeah, this is yeah. this is my Christmas, basically, you know, this is it. So, <laughs> and, and I mean, I could go to any other race. I've been to other races. Nothing is as exciting as the 500. It's just, it's the history, it's the electricity. Um, I know when I lived in Florida, I worked for a roofing supply company, and my boss, uh, he got a trip to go because uh, ABC Supply sponsored uh, AJ Foyt's cars, and he had a trip to. Uh, he got to go. He got a trip to go to the 500, and he he came back and he's like, uh, he says, I get it now, I understand. So. You know, that's from that's from an outsider. So, you know, it, it's it's definitely a bucket list item. Everybody should do at least once. I, I can appreciate what you just said there. And then before we wrap up here in a little bit, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk to those outsiders in particular. But before we get into that, Adam, do you want to turn more into this year's race specifically and and how qualifying shaped up? Yeah, so looking at the lineups, you know, who are the names to kind of watch towards the front of the pack? And I'm going to follow that up with the back of the lineup because you talked about Graham Rahal a second ago. So who who at the front should we be looking for from qualifying? Uh, it is it is wide open. I mean, there is – I mean, it's – it could be a Ganassi car. I mean, it could be – I mean, there's, 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 there's four drivers for Ganassi. There's four drivers for Aero McLaren. I think those are the two to watch out for. You know, you can be fast all month, but that don't really mean anything come race day. No. Um, I mean, anything can happen. 
Um, Will Power starts 12th. He's got a shot. He's won the race before. He knows how to do it. Um, it's really going to, it's going to depend on, they've really had an issue with the aero package the last couple of years, which is the aerodynamic package, which allows the cars to move in and out of traffic. And, um, the jury's still out this year. So I don't know if we're going to see people from the back. You got a lot of fast guys in the back. There's the field is not, is, is covered by, I mean, you know, you got two seconds, three seconds. Between the top thirty drivers, so um, I would be hesitant to pick a winner. Alex Pillow is on the pole; he's going to be tough to beat. I really believe that he finished second two years ago. Um, Pato Award starts fifth; he finished second last year. These guys are young; they're hungry; they're aggressive. Which those guys are the fun one, fun ones to watch. Um, you want a super dark horse, Santino Ferrucci with AJ Foyt. He's finished, he's finished, or he starts fourth. A guy knows how to finish a 500. So um, he's going to be the dark horse, I think, this this year. Where, where do you think Castor Neves might finish at? Because I know he's had some history with winning several times at this track. I, I see he's lined up as 20th, you know. Um, it, it's, I, he, I mean, why, he, he's got just as good a shot as anybody, really. Um, he's had a quiet month. Hasn't done anything spectacular, but he was like that when he won in 2021. He didn't, you know, he was just kind of there. All you have to be is there, you know. That's all you really need to do. Um, you know, that's how Marcus Erickson won the race last year, you know. Uh, he was there. Um, uh, Scott Dixon sped to pits and got penalized on the last pit stop. And that was, <laughs> yep. that was his race. Um, you know, Dixon's another one to watch out for. It is, you know, I... There's no clear cut guy this year. There's really, really not. I, I'm, uh, I'm at a loss as to who could win this race. I'm afraid it's going to be a Ganassi guy. I'm not a Ganassi guy. I'm tired of seeing him win all the time. I like to see somebody else <laughs> win the race. Yeah, well, and, and it's that unknown that you talk about that makes it all the more intriguing to watch. Is you know every year, and this is just me based off of reading and watching highlights and stuff. Every year, it seems like there's some kind of surprise, whether it be the winner, someone finishing towards the top, someone getting knocked out. But when you have a, a year like this, where, like you said, the lineup from really top to bottom is packed with guys who can make a run at it, it should be interesting, which leads me to my next question. I think you kind of just answered this a moment ago, but if you had a gun to your head and you had to give a winner, who do you think's drinking the milk this year? Um, A gun to my head? Uh, <laughs> probably Pato Award with Harold McLaren. He starts fifth. Um, he hasn't had a race this year. He, well, he hasn't won a race this year. He's been knocking on the door, but that guy's, he's fast. That And that team is, uh, you know, Aaron McLaren's really stepped up their, their craft, the racing craft this year. Um, if, but uh, yeah, I, I would pick Pato if I absolutely, absolutely had to. I don't want to pick Pato. I'm not a Pato award fan, nothing against Pato, but um uh, I think he's going to be the guy. I really do. Yes, we'll see this weekend. So that leads me into one final question, and I've kind of been beating around the bush on this, but I do have a confession to make. I'm 30 years old. I've lived in Indiana my entire life. I've never watched a single lap of the Indy 500, and you just mentioned a moment ago, you know, the outsiders and their perspective. And I'm glad Adam was here, who actually 
has a past history with this race to help me along. But if you had one thing to say to outsiders like myself, what is it that you would tell them if they were to want to dive into this new world? Um, go to the track. You live in Indiana. Go to, go to a ra- experience a race. I mean, even if you haven't gone, go to a local racetrack. Go to a sprint car race. You know, um, IndyCars run. They run three races at the Speedway every year. They run the Grand Prix. They run, which was two weeks ago, well, a week and a half ago. Um, they run, I think, the 500. They have another Grand Prix. They have uh, lined up in August or, or July or August with uh, the NASCAR, with the Brickyard Weekend. Go to a race. Experience it for yourself. Um, it's it's so much, it's like anything, you know. You may not like a band, but if you go see a band, in, if you go see that band in concert, you'll probably have a good time because there's just a big difference between it's, you know, it's, it's like football. You know, I've, I, you know, I watch tons of football, but is it more fun to go to a Colts game live? Absolutely. Sure is. Racing's no different. Um, the thing with Indianapolis, I mean, you could get away with buying a general admission ticket, get there super early, sit on the spectator mound and turn two or turn three and soak it in, just soak in. Um, you know, with the military uh, tie-ins, they play taps. It's it's pretty moving, and tradition speaks a lot. So uh, there's a definite energy to that race that I have never experienced in any other type of sport event. So I can appreciate that answer. I mentioned my, earlier it was it was the history of baseball that kind of drew me into that sport, and even as I did a little bit of research just to prepare prepare for this, because I didn't want to sound like a you know, a complete idiot talking to you about this race. <laughs> I could definitely tell that there is a rich history with this event. And you, you never know, Adam, sometime in the next year or two, you and I might have to have to plan a trip to this race. I well, mean, go to, the, go to the museum. The museum, it's 15 bucks to go to the museum. You can pay a little more, take a lap around the track. You can get out on the racetrack uh, called the Kiss the Bricks Tour. Uh, they let you out of the bus at the start-finish line. I mean start there if you want you know you know it's very it's a, it's a nice little interactive museum uh take a tour of the facility and uh you know go to the race that's exactly how it's almost like go to the race experience it for yourself definitely some good advice there i do i do intend to do that one day and i'll have to update you on facebook when that day comes but <laughs> adam do you have anything else for chris before we get off well i have two things number one i mean I've I've lived in Indy. I was basically born in Speedway, lived there for four or five years, you know, Metalwood Park, you know, Joey, you and I went there this past summer, you know, that's literally just a few blocks away from the track. And so Speedway to me, I don't know, there's something nostalgic about always going there. <clears throat> and, you know, he mentioned the experiences. It made me think about a field trip that I took with my fourth graders just a couple of years ago where we had someone that worked in one of the pit crews and I cannot remember the driver's name, but, you know, they started showing us, you know, just things and experiences that, you know, it it goes beyond football. And I think in Indiana, you know, there's certain things that we root for. We root for the Colts. We root for one of our two main, you know, Hoosiers teams, but I think everybody, you know, gets behind, you know, a driver, they get behind someone and, you know, they, they put hope in them. Ed Carpenter, for me, for years, was that guy. I haven't really found that, you know, in recent years. But, you know, what I want to say to Chris is that, you know, 
you reminded me of the reasons I always appreciated, you know, being around the Speedway during the month of May. You know, Indianapolis makes a huge deal out of this. So, Joey, I mean, I'm going to throw a pitch your way, too. Just, you know, the track itself is wonderful, but the show that Indianapolis will put on to preserve the tradition and history of this, I think outmatches, you know, almost any event I've ever been to. And, you know, I I would say it is basically Indianapolis Super Bowl. So, you know, they're going to put everything into it to make that experience truly good for each person that walks through those doors. So Chris obviously has resold me on going down there, but something I want you to think about as well, because I'm ready to go now. (laughs) I mean, you want a local driver, there's Connor Daly. I mean, he's fast. He could actually, he's... He, he's got a good race car from what he says. Sometimes if you don't qualify well, it don't mean anything. As long as you got a good race car. Qualifying is a whole other thing, you know. You know, you want a good race car. You know, if you're, if you're in the race, you can win from anywhere. So, uh, Connor Daly is great. He's got a great personality, great character. He's got a podcast called Speed Street. It's on uh, Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo Media. Um, hmm. And he's local. He's out of Noblesville. Um, and uh, he's def. I mean, he took the lead. I was watching the 2021 race earlier and the first time he ever led a lap at the 500 was that year. And it was like lap 52 and the place went nuts because Connor Daly took the lead. So, um, you know, we de- they definitely get behind their local boys. That's for sure. Well, and I was going to say, you know, Chris, one thing I didn't mention or ask earlier, a lot of these drivers basically end up residing in Indianapolis and build their race uh, companies and garages here in the state, right? Yeah. Uh, Bobby Rahal, he's originally from Ohio. Um, actually, I got a buddy of mine who works for him. Uh, he wraps the cars for them. Um, uh, he just built a new uh, fa- a new uh, a race shop in Zionsville. And I just happened to take a tour of it last month, and it's pretty impressive. Uh, Michael Andretti, his race shop's here. Of course, Ed Carpenter's race shop's here. Um, so yeah, you've got a lot of, even AJ Foyt has a, he's got a shop here. He's got a shop in Speedway, um, on main street, you know, as opposed to another one in Houston, uh, Huncos racing, Ricardo Huncos. He's a, a Brazilian, I believe. Uh, he's got a race shop in Speedway. So yeah, a lot of these guys that are former drivers that are now car owners, a lot of car owners have a shop uh, in Indianapolis. I believe Ganassi has a shop here too, from what I think, if I can remember that. Yeah, because I know Speedway has developed incredibly over the last couple of years. Joey, I don't know if you remember where Mug and Bun is, but like all the stuff that he's talking about with the garages is literally maybe a quarter mile down the street, pretty close to the Allison transmission plant, right? Right. Yeah. And I get Hunkos is right there on Main Street, I believe, um, which is down there, you know, Main Street and 10th Street. 10th Street's where the Mug and Bun is. So, um, yeah, I've but, always seen all those buildings from the outside, but it's like, you know, I want to get inside. I'm not going to lie about that. Which, if you are visiting Speedway, you do need to go to the Mug and Bun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I have two takeaways from the conversation you guys just had. One, that's an interesting fact. I never knew that a lot of these drivers end up making the Indy area home. And number two, I really want some root beer from Mug and Buns now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, Alexander Rossi lives here. He's a driver. James Hinchcliffe has a home here. He lives. Tony Kanan lives in Indianapolis. Um, so a lot, you know, Connor Daly lives here. Of course he was born and raised in, uh, uh, I think the Geist reservoir area. So yeah, a lot of these guys, you know, they get going and they, this is where they live. Um, so, um, of course, Graham Ray Hall lives here. Um, so, 
yeah, you've got a lot of drivers that do end up residing in Indianapolis just because, you know, the team's here and you want to be close to the team and you want to, you know, that's, that's, that's vital is just to be close to the team. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a true deal. So. Well, I do believe that is the definition of the racing capital of the world. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Adam, you got anything else? No, I think I'm about all questioned out, but you know, I, Chris, I wanted to say personally, I, I never got to meet you before this, but I appreciate just the time that you've taken to have this conversation with both of us. Certainly. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. I, I'm and, always and real quick. <laughs> where, where can everybody find the Hoosier nerd podcast as well as your photography? Uh, Christian branch photography. I've got, was it? Um, I've got two photography pages. I got a racing photographer. They're all on Facebook. Um, and Instagram, um, I have got, I've got Christian Branch Racing Photography. You can see a lot of my racing photography there. Um, then you got Viewfinder Photography. I uh, Christian Branch Experience. Um, I just go around, take pictures of old buildings, anything I find interesting, fall colors, things like that. Um, that's on Facebook, um, and uh, Viewfinder Photography is on Instagram too. Who's Your Nerds Podcast? It's on. We're on everybody, everywhere. Uh, we got a, we got a Facebook page. We got a Twitter page. Um, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, um, TuneIn, and uh, iTunes. So, All right. Well, just to echo Adam's statement, I want to thank you again for joining us. And just once again, shout out your racing photography page. I just saw within the last day or two, you was posting pictures from the 90s. So it's not just you know, recent pictures that you have saved up that you're sharing with everybody. So definitely worth checking out if you appreciate the history of this race. I appreciate the plug. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again. Uh, you're more than welcome. Anytime, guys.